following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Shake somebody's hand beside you and say, I want to help the pastor tonight. Now say, Pastor, preach to us. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to us, Pastor. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to us, Pastor. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. I love you. You may be seated. You're awesome, 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 awesome people. Sometime you just have to do something. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a text tonight. I'm not gonna read it, but I want you to I want you to read it when you get home. Matthew 14. Put it down. Verse 22 through 36. I don't want to take time to read it because it's a very well used story, and I'm gonna talk about it tonight. And so I don't want you to me to take time to read that section of scripture. Read about a retired man in California who made quite a splash a while back. It seems he decided to tie helium-filled balloons to his lawn chair. And he wanted to take a ride just kind of up around where the, where the roof was and maybe ride around his neighborhood and just mess with a lot of people. But after he tied a few balloons to his chair, it started lifting off the ground. So he called some neighbors, asked them to hold the chair down, and he tied balloons, 40, 50, 60 of them more to that chair. And while the neighbors were still holding the chair, the man strapped himself in, and finally he told them let go. And when they did, he expected to float up maybe about 30 feet, but he went a little higher than that. He had this sharp pointed stick to pop the balloon so he'd come gently back down to earth. And his friends let go of the chair and it began to soar in the air. This man still strapped to it, went 30 feet, 40 feet, 50 feet above the house, above the trees, completely out of sight. And about the time at LAX airport, the air traffic controller received a report. This is Captain Jones, flight 411. I'd like to report that I've just passed a man in a lawn chair at 3,000 feet. (laughs) That's funny. I'm happy to report that the man did eventually come down safe. He popped those balloons one at a time and he landed safely. But reporters asked him, why did you do such a thing? And he gave a great answer. He said, you have to do something. You just have to do something. Grandpa had to do something. That seems to be in the DNA of some people. Whether right, whether wrong, there are times when they have to do something. Or depending on the situation, at least say something. (laughs) Simon Peter was like that. He missed many great opportunities to keep his mouth shut. But there were times when he just had to say something. I used to pastor in Dallas, and I had this precious couple. And he, in fact, he was a secretary of a church and a brilliant man. His wife was so precious, and she was a, also a, a teacher in, in school. And they were just great kids, great kids. And they had this little old daughter, and she was a talking machine. You wind her up, she'd talk 45 minutes without taking a breath. And on their way home one night from church, she was especially, especially excited about what had happened, maybe with her little kid friends or something. And back in that day, we put kids right in the middle seat. You know, we didn't have these car seats turned backwards and all the things and straps and all that. We just set them down and said, be still. <laughs> and if we come to a red light, we put our arm out. That's how it worked. Amen. <laughs> and so she's sitting in that middle seat. So she decided to stand up because she wanted to add to the conversation. She said, I want to say something. And they just kept talking, ignoring her. She said, I want to say something. And they just kept ignoring her. She said, I want to say something. And they just kept ignoring her. She said, tapped them both on the shoulder. She said, would y'all please stop talking? Let me say something. So they stopped. They said, okay, what do you want to say? And all of a sudden, she forgot what she was going to say. (laughs) She totally forgot because she had been begging so long to say it. She forgot. So she said, 
And this became a slogan at our church. Say hi to the trees. <laughs> say hi to the trees. There's some people that just have to say something and have to do something because you have to do something in life. And sometimes Peter was the kind of man that planted his foot right behind his bicuspids. He also missed several good opportunities to be still. But again, that was not his nature. Sometimes Peter just had to do something. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night Jesus was betrayed, he cut the ear off the high priest's servant. And in the text tonight, over in Matthew, he nearly drowns. You know the story. Let me, re- let, me, let me read it to you. Let me tell it to you real quickly. It takes place immediately at the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus still not had time to grieve over the death of his cousin, John the Baptist. And he still needed time to be alone in prayer. So he instructs his disciples to get back in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the lake. And he had already dismissed the crowd and he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat with his disciples in it was being tossed about by wind and waves because a storm had come up quickly on that sea called Galilee. And shortly before dawn, after prayer, Jesus went out where the disciples were in the boat. And he got there, the scripture says, by walking on the water. (laughs) He walked on the water. You know, I I was reading that one time when I was going through some dilemmas. And and it, it dawned on me that there's not a storm in my life. There's not enough wind in my life. There's not enough treacherousness in my life that Jesus can't come to where I am walking on what's bugging me. He just knows how to walk and put everything that's bugging us under his feet. And if he can put it under his feet, he wants you to know you can put it under your feet also. So you can imagine as they see him coming, it terrified the disciples. They said, it's a ghost, it's a spirit. They cried out in fear. You can't blame them. Ordinary people don't walk on the water. (laughs) This minor episode in Jesus' life has been the target of much humor. There's a story about an Irishman who was taking a trip to the Holy Land, and he got got to the Sea of Galilee, and he was flustered when he found out it would cost $50 to rent a boat to go over over the water and over the Sea of Galilee. He said, and I can't talk like an Irishman, but he said, Hootman, in Ireland, I could ha, got the boat for $20, something like that. That kind of sounds like Hispanic Ireland. (laughs) My wife said every time I try to talk in another language, it ends up being Hispanic. (laughs) And she also tells me when I try to talk Hispanic that the people who speak Hispanic that I don't speak are not deaf. Because I try to talk louder thinking louder is better. (laughs) I laugh at myself a lot. That might be true, the man with the boat said, but... You have to take into account that the Sea of Galilee is the water that the Lord walked on himself. The Lord walked on the Sea of Galilee. And the old Irishman said, well, for $50 an hour, no wonder he walked. <laughs> Some of y'all are a little slow tonight. There's also, there's also a silly story about a man named John from Minnesota who heard a rumor that his father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather had all walked on the water on their 21st birthday. So on his 21st birthday, John and his good friend Steve headed out to the lake, and if they did it, John said, if they did it, I can too. So when John and Steve arrived at the lake, they rented a boat and began paddling, and when they got to the middle of the lake, John stepped off the boat and nearly drowned. He went straight to the bottom. Furious and somewhat ashamed, he and Steve headed for home, and when John arrived home, he asked his grandmother for an exclamation, Grandma, why could I not walk on my 21st birthday on the water like my father? 
And like his father, like the father before him. And the feeble old Minnesota grandmother took John by the hands, looked in his eyes and explained, that's because your father and your grandfather and your great-grandfather were born in January and you was born in July. (laughs) Now you're getting better. I guess if it had been January on the Sea of Galilee, had something frozen over, anyone could have walked on it. But it wasn't Minnesota. And it wasn't January. And Jesus walked on the water. I want you to clap for Jesus. Give him a hand clap because he walked on the water. That's good stuff. He walked on the water. Woo! Hallelujah. And his disciples were scared to death. Jesus tried to calm them. He said, take courage. It's I. Be not afraid. And of course, it was Simon Peter who speaks up. Said, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. To you on the water. You got to appreciate spirit. uh, Peter's spirit of can do it. I can do this. Come said Jesus. And so Peter steps off that boat. And steps on a word. One word. And Matthew says he got down out of the boat. And walked on the water. And came toward Jesus. I imagine Peter started thinking to himself. This is great. (laughs) Look at me. I'm doing the same thing that Jesus is doing. Me and Jesus are water walkers. We must shop at the same shoe store. It's not the shoes, Pete. I'm doing it. But then something happened. Simon saw the wind begin to pick up and suddenly he was afraid and began to sink. And he said, Lord, save me. And immediately, I got a message tonight, stay with me. And immediately the Lord reached out his hand and caught him and picked him up. And when they got back to the boat, I imagine Jesus had a smile on his face as he was taking that, that old boy that was now wet with water. And he said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got back to the boat, the wind ceased and the storm stopped. Then the writer says, those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus and said, truly, you are the son of God. Anybody believe he's the son of God today? That's why we're here today, not because the pastor's up here talking about him, but because we honor and appreciate and worship Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I think that we need to clap our hands real big one more time before I get in my series, my my points here tonight. Come on. He is, he is the Son of God. Nothing like him. But you got to learn something also from Simon Peter's experience. Number one, sometimes... You just have to do something. We're searching for this Jesus that fed the 5,000. The Bible said those people went searching for him last week. We're looking for him. Sometimes you have to do something. The grandpa on the lawn chair was right. There is a reason we find Simon Peter so attractive. He wasn't the kind of individual to sit around and reflect on a situation. He was the kind of man who acted first and thought about the implications later. It's better to say I'm sorry than to ask permission, according to Peter. And that sometimes, that sometimes got him into trouble, but at least he lived out his convictions. At least he was in the water where the action was. When I see him one day, I'm going to talk to him about that because that's so refreshing for 11 boys to stay in the boat and one guy to get out of the boat. And say, I don't know what y'all are thinking, but he said, come to where I am. And if he said that, I'm going to go to where he is. 
Most followers of the Lord tend to be highly cautious people. Stay with me now. Who never take a step out of the boat. Jesus gave him an invitation to the supernatural and the others didn't join. I believe all 12 could have walked on the water toward Jesus and done the same thing that Simon Peter did. And I think this, if one person in this church can get his healing, everybody can be healed in this church. And I think this, if one person can be blessed in this house, why not everybody be blessed in this house? And I think this, if one person can be saved, why can't God save everybody? Ain't no sense in somebody getting what you can have in your life. You can have what God wants for every one of us. Even James and John, the sons of thunder, were timid souls that day. The great philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once called the decision to follow Jesus a leap of faith. It's like jumping off of a cliff, he said. Some choose not to follow Christ. They say, we're not cliff jumping. We're not that adventurous. You know it's true. A lot of people are good people. They're nice people. They're sweet people. They wouldn't hurt a fly. They wouldn't, they wouldn't kill a roach with a, with a boot that could reach in a corner. They wouldn't do it. They were brought up to respect the rights of others. They try hard to keep the ten commandments. We have no major vices, but very few. We have no major vices, but few major virtues either. We're like the sad young woman in Tennessee, Williams, a touch and play, the glass menagerie, who expects a gentleman caller to ring her bell, to love her at first sight, and to marry her, but she does nothing to attract a young man's attention. She simply waits while life passes her by. It's kind of like the story in the Song of Solomon. When the man, the lover, comes to the door and he wants to come in and be with the woman that he wants to be his wife, and she said, I've already washed my feet, I've already put myself to bed, and I can't come and open the door. You hear me. Jesus Christ is at the door of every one of our lives tonight. And he will be a gentleman. He said, I stand at the door and knock. You've got to come and open the door. And if you've got your feet wet and you don't want to come to the door, you already got yourself ready and prepared to lay down for night. He won't come in and barge in on you. But if you'll open that door, he'll come in and sup with you and you can sup with him. And I promise you, what you get from him is a whole lot better than what he's going to get from you. Because you're going to give him your trouble. You're going to give him your trials. You're going to give him your heartache. And when he drinks all of that, he's going to give you his joy. He's going to give you his happiness. He's going to give you his contentment. That's the exchange that is good for all of us. That's how it works. That's how it works. God must get awfully frustrated with those of us who are content to sit and wait while there is a world out there that needs saving and a world that needs the message that we preach. There was a message contained in an ad in the Wall Street Journal years ago, and I wrote it down, and here it is. It's on the screen. The greatest waste of our natural resources is the number of people who never achieve their potential. Get out of the slow lane. Shift into the fast lane. If you think you can't, you won't. If you think you can, there's a good chance you will. Even making the effort will make you feel like a new person. Reputations are made by searching for things that can't be done and doing them. Aim low, boring. Aim high, soaring. Take a picture of that. You need to take a picture of that with your phone. Take that to your house. Put that on the refrigerator. Aim low, it's boring. Aim high, you're soaring. Simon Peter wanted to soar. Maybe not in a lawn chair, 
But Peter had a sense of adventure. Perhaps that's why Jesus chose him to lead the early church and be the first preacher on the day of Pentecost. There are times when you need someone to act, even if from time to time they blunder. As it has been said, when all is said and done, there's more said than ever done. Boy, I feel this tonight. It's particularly true of the church. Sometimes you just have to do something. The second point I want to teach tonight is very simple. It's only when Peter takes his eyes off Jesus, he begins to sink rather than to soar. It's only when he takes his eyes off Jesus. Say, everybody say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Everybody say, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. Everybody say, Jesus, the author and finisher, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the ending. He never said one without the other. I am tired of people saying he'll start you good. I want to hear somebody say he'll finish you good. The Bible said the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. The Lord's not slowing down on this church. This church is picking up speed. We used to be doing it with wagons. Now we're doing it with automobiles and planes. I'm telling you, this church is moving forward. Don't you sit there and tell me that the church is going to have a great falling away. The church is going to have a great revival. Yes, there will be a falling away, but there's going to be a revival. Jesus Christ is not going to be the losing entity on this earth. God won in heaven. He won in hell, and he's going to win on this earth. This thing is going up. It's going to go forward. It's going to keep moving because God is in the midst of it. Hallelujah. That's how being a follower of Jesus works. As long as we're focused on our faith and not our fears, we're all right. Now, if I laid a 10-foot, 4-inch plank right here on this stage and I asked Jonathan Laborde to come up here and walk on it, he'd jump up here and he'd just do this number. You didn't know I was a gymnast, did you? But if I put that same four-inch board 50 feet in the air, wouldn't be a lot of takers, would they? Because it's easy to walk here. But it's difficult to walk when that thing is suspended. See, our consciousness of our circumstances will overwhelm sometimes our confidence about walking on the plank. That's what happened to Simon. He suddenly became aware of something besides Jesus. The wind, the waves, the depth of the water beneath his feet. He became nervous when he realized the absurdity of his situation and he began to panic. And if Jesus had not been there, Simon Peter would have drowned in that water. That sometimes happens to a church. Now, I'm going to talk to you right now. I'm going to get serious. No jokes. I have a dream, folks. I got a dream and it hadn't been accomplished yet. I still dream. I believe you can dream again. I believe you can dream again. Joseph dreamed, was put in a pit, but he dreamed again. Jacob dreamed, was abandoned from his family and his brother, but he dreamed again. Amen? Amen. Daniel dreamed and he dreamed again. Israel dreamed and they dreamed again. You don't have to stop dreaming because things have gone bad in your life. I have a dream. I have a dream. 
And that dream is what I preached about a couple of Sundays ago, that there's going to be a revival in this area. And people are going to be coming at all hours of the day. It's liable to be another Azusa Street right here. When we have church 24 hours a day, there's no telling what God's going to do. When Pastor Fender on Sunday introduced this, me as the speaker down there, he talked about us having four services on Sunday now. And we also have one on Tuesday that counts because we have a Hispanic service that's meeting in a house right now. And, and, and they're having church, about 30 or 35 of them, and they're a part of CLC. Here's what I want to tell you. Listen, listen here's, here's what I want to tell you. This is what I want to tell you. It's been ordained by the pastor. I set it in motion, and it's going. But I want to, I want to talk to you right now. You listen to me. This church has not seen its best days. The church has not seen its best days. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. See, sometimes a small group of people have a dream for the church. And they begin to believe that it's a dream from God. And they believe they're following Jesus. And soon they have a plan. And that plan begins to materialize. And others are won over by their cause. And the winning and wonderful future begins to take shape. But then the inevitable always happens. Because opposition from negatives people begin to materialize in the congregation. It's too expensive. It's too radical. It'll bankrupt the church, and that's how it goes. And we prefer peace in the church more than we prize progress. And I want to talk to you tonight. We've got a dream to exercise in this church, that this church building can be turned, and we can spread it out this way. And we can put 1,500 plus chairs in this place. And we can have three services again and have over 5,000 people come to the church that used to have 2,200 people come to the church. I'm telling you, it's time for us to start saying yes and not look at the negatives of life and say yes. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm not asking you to run the aisles and jump and holler and do a Toyota kick. I'm not asking that. But I'm asking you not to be a negative bird. An oh no bird. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no, 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 no. Reminds me of a time when I I was preaching. I, I'm going a little bit too long tonight. Let me hurry. Oh, I know it's all right, but <laughs> I'm wound up. I'm wound up tonight. I have this dream, folks. I have this dream. Come the first of March after our, after our series is over, I'm going to preach my dream for this church. You don't want to miss the first Sunday of March in this place. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to preach my dream to this church. God, I was preaching one time when I was a young man, and I was preaching for a well-known, well-known preacher, and, and when I got through, I noticed he wasn't in the service, so I went back to his office, and he was back there in the office, and I said, man, did you get sick, pastor? And he said, no, I didn't get sick, said I had to come back here because I couldn't get, I couldn't get inspired by what you were saying, and I, so I had to come back and listen to me to get inspired. He had one of his sermons on. I've come a long way. (laughs) 
And I may, I, may not, I may not be inspiring some of you with the fact that we're going to have to raise some funds and a building fund and we're going to have to get some money raised. But I want to promise you that God has provided for this church to step forward in a great way. And we're moving forward in the name of Jesus. And I want you not to be afraid and see the wind and the waves around you and see the old knowers around you because God's got a plan for this church. And with the help and the grace of God, we're going to see it completed. And God's promised me a long life, and I'm going to live every day of that life preaching Jesus in this house. Amen. I, 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 may, I may go completely bald one day, and I may lose all my teeth and spit out my, my teeth when I'm preaching, but I'm going to still preach Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And if you sit on the front row, you may get, you may get a little of my spittle, but I'm going to preach Jesus. Because when you preach Jesus, everything comes into focus because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Sound of the wind. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And finally, let me conclude. This is also the secret of a fulfilling life. Secret of it. Focus on your faith and not your fears. Everybody say, focus on my faith and not my fears. No matter how fierce the storm, ignore the wind and the waves. Listen to the voice of the master. He's saying, come. F.B. Meyer, a great pastor, once gave great advice to a miserable-looking woman on a train she recognized him as a pastor, and she ventured to share her burden with him. And for years, she had cared for a daughter who was handicapped. Even though she was handicapped, the girl brought great joy to this mother's life. She made tea for her daughter every morning, and she went to work and looked forward to seeing her in the afternoon. They had no father. He had died, no husband. But the daughter died, and the grieving mother was now alone and miserable. Home was not home anymore. But Meyer gave her some sound, wise counsel when he said, when you get home, Put the key in the door and say, Jesus, I know you're here. And be ready to greet him when you open the door. When you light the fire in the furnace, tell him what happened good during the day. If anybody was kind, tell him. And tell him if anybody was unkind, tell him the same thing, just as you would have told your daughter. And at night, when you turn out the light, stretch out your hand in the darkness and say, Jesus, I know you are here. And some six months later, Meyer saw the woman again. He didn't even recognize her. She had changed so much. Her face radiated with joy. She said, Pastor Meyer, I'm the woman on the train. And I did as you told me. And it made all the difference in my life. Now I feel like I really do know him. And he really does know me. Oh, if I could get somebody's attention here tonight. If I could keep you out of your office just a little bit longer and quit you listening to yourself and just inspire you just a moment and just let you know that Jesus is as close as the mention of his name in your life tonight. And whatever you have need of, if you ask him, when the storms are raging, keep your eyes on Jesus. When the wind is blowing, keep your eyes on Jesus. There's a little lady in Albuquerque, New Mexico, who worked at the Presbyterian Hospital for a number of years, and they, they erected a statue to her. They just called her simply Mrs. Van. She was a, quite a nurse. That's going to happen to Peggy McDaniel one day at South Austin. That's a fact. Peggy is the Queen Royal at South Austin Hospital. We went in there yesterday, and, I, and we went into a room, and they was having a meeting, and Peggy and I and, and my daughters walked in there. Mom was, Patty was fixing to be wheeled in, and Peggy walked in, and they all stopped the meeting and said, Hi, Miss Peggy. Hi, Miss Peggy. And I said, I'm with her. <laughs> Felt good. 
I love when people of our church represent our community the way that people in our church need to represent our community. Let's clap our hands for people in our church. Amen. But even after she got old, she still went to church every Sunday. She'd climb those stairs and get in the choir. She sang in the choir till she was 97 years old. She'd come to Albuquerque as a young woman. She was a driving force in the medical community. Not only that, she was a driving force in the church. And the statue of her as a young woman sits at the main entrance of the Presbyterian Hospital in honor of her career there in Albuquerque. As you might expect, Mrs. Van was also a powerhouse in the church. When, when, when this young pastor came to know her, the pastor was a college student and full of idealism about what the church ought to be. And one day when he was sharing his ideas about the church, the senior pastor's wife said, you know who you need to talk to? You need to talk to Miss Van. Go see her. So he found her. He complained a while to her about the problems in the church, and she smiled inside and said, Jack, sit down. Sit down. I don't want to talk to you. He said, I've been in the church a long, long time, and I've seen every problem that could possibly be in the church. And I've learned that if you fix your thoughts on people and the problems in the church, you won't last very long. The church is never just what it should be or what it could be. And so I've learned not to concentrate on the people or the problems. You just have to keep looking to Jesus. Can I tell that tonight? Can I speak that to you? When you do that, your faith will be strong. You'll be able to have a wonderful life as part of the church. Keep looking at Jesus. Punch a person beside you and said, he said it. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Say, he's the author. He's the finisher of the faith. That's the secret of a strong church. Jesus loved the Simon Peters of this world, people who are willing to get out of the boat and test the waves. He loves people who keep their eyes on him even when the winds are threatening and the waves are rolling. He loves people who focus on their faith rather than their fears. And sometimes you just have to do something. But the whole key to this whole message is simply this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. What's about? Randy, if you'll help me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. 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 You know, you know when I when I talk to people, it's very it's very quick. It's, I'm very quick to be able to understand if they're positive or negative, because it just comes across. It just comes across from them, and some people say I can't help but be this way. No, you can. You can. You can. We're searching for the Jesus that fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. We're searching for him. And you've got to get out of the boat, and you've got to look at him, and you, you're, going to be, you're, going to be, you're going to be tossed by the waves and the wind. But if you just keep looking at Jesus, you'll walk. That wave might wash over you, but you're going to still walk. You're going to walk. And here's, here's the deal. People that have negative connotations do not look to Jesus. They look to their problems. But people who have positive connotations look to Jesus instead of their problems. All of us, have, say all of us, have problems. But the Lord said, he'd deliver us out of them all. We all got trouble. We all got situations. We had one yesterday. We was a little bit, was a little bit intrepidated yesterday. I don't mind telling you, I was a little bit intrepidated. If I told you I wasn't, I'd be lying to you. And I try not to lie and be a preacher. But that C word messes with all of us. You know that as well as I know it. But I'm so glad to tell you that the good Lord that I serve, 
I was walking around after that surgery actually crying in the hospital. I didn't care who saw me. It was an honor to serve that Jesus. And tonight when I heard the music, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. I brought little Caroline into the office and let her hear through the wall them singing that beautiful song. Because that's what she sung on that little airline coming back from vacation. You're a good, good father. And I want you to know we got a good, we got a good father around here. We've got a wonderful Savior around here. He's an awesome God. And on this Wednesday night, why don't we focus on him instead of our trouble? Why don't we focus on him instead of our heartache? Why don't we focus on him instead of our problems? Why don't we give him praise here tonight? Could you stand up all over the building and give him some praise in this house tonight? Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah!